If you're a fan of horror and gothic fiction like I am, I'm sure you've heard of the event that took place in a summer home in Geneva, which housed Lord Byron, his young physician John Polidori, Percy Bysshe Shelley, his wife Mary Shelley, and her cousin Claire Claremont. Boredom struck on a dark and stormy night. They made a bet to see who could write the scariest story. This night gave birth to John Polidori's The Vampire, that's vampire with a Y, and none other than Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. This is where most horror fans first hear of horror in literature. This event occurred in 1816, well before the publication of Bram Stoker's Dracula in 1897, another well-known gothic horror novel. In actuality, the birth of gothic fiction began in 1764 with the novel The Castle of Entrado by Horace Walpole. It is a story about a curse that leads a man to make terrible decisions to avoid its cruel end. It includes spooky skeletons, ghastly ghosts and untimely deaths, all set in a large gothic castle. Horace Walpole didn't just write gothic horror, he also revived gothic architecture, before it was cool. If you've never heard of Strawberry Hill House, I would suggest you Google it immediately. It is an architectural masterpiece. Anyway, back to the point. Walpole was the first to use the term gothic in the title of his story, bringing in an entirely new genre. The gothic horror genre mainly focuses on some form of battle between good and evil. The evil is most likely supernatural, although sometimes man-made, and usually a metaphor for man's vices. It also contains themes of life, death, morality, and often discusses religion and philosophy. The backdrop of the gothic novel is often what distinguishes it as such. Ruined gothic castles, bleak landscapes, and desolate surroundings. If Walpole was the creator of the gothic literature genre, Mary Shelley and Bram Stoker are the ones that made it cool. Two years after the famous Geneva sleepover, Mary Shelley published Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, anonymously. The story of a mad scientist obsessed with the power to resurrect the dead and his rejected creature has stayed relevant throughout the years and is one of the most popular novels in the early gothic horror genre. The inspiration for Frankenstein came from a nightmare Mary Shelley had while sleeping through the storms at Geneva. She saw a gruesome figure stitching together body parts of a man and awoke with the idea that would make her one of the most well-known gothic writers of her time. She was further inspired by the current works of science concentrated on animated life and electricity. Through this, a monster was born. When looking through the lens of gothic fiction, Frankenstein doesn't always align with the common tropes of the genre. Examining the main theme of gothic fiction, good versus evil, who in Frankenstein is the villain? Victor is consumed by his passions and need for scientific success, which ultimately leads him to create an abomination who he abandons and betrays. The creature was not born a villain, but transformed into one over time through neglect and the hatred of man. Both characters share and interchange the role of evil. When looking into the morality of the characters, we question Victor's ethics the most. He is the source of all the misfortune throughout the novel, even when it is at the hands of this creature, he is the cause of its rage. The only other novel just as popular as Mary Shelley's Tale of Woe is the story of an unsuspecting couple and a powerful vampire. Bram Stoker received his inspiration from multiple sources, the main one being the medieval historical figure Vlad the Impaler. Much of the violence found in Gothic literature was taken from accounts of medieval tales. Stoker used one of the most obvious elements of Gothic fiction, the bleak and inescapable setting. Between foggy London and the ruinous Transylvanian castle, the protagonists, Mina and Jonathan, have nowhere to go and no way to reach each other. They are trapped and under the watchful eye of the bloodthirsty beast, Dracula. There are no shades of grey when it comes to who the villain is in this tale. The use of setting leaves the reader with a sense of dread and hopelessness for the young couple, but not without a hint of excitement for the macabre and taboo. The idea of the vampire has continued to thrill readers through the elements of sex, 
immortality and violence, the basic instincts of all humans. Through the years, many other authors would go on to create timeless gothic stories and poetry. The Mysteries of Udolpho by Anne Radcliffe, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson, The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde, and countless poems and stories by Edgar Allan Poe, just to name a few. The popularity of gothic novels in the 1800s also affected the highly sought-after Penny Dreadfuls of the time. Penny Dreadfuls were serialised stories filled with blood, violence and villains. They could be bought for a penny by the lower classes and often contained images to entice readers. The popularity showed the people's desire for horror as entertainment. The 18th century brought us some of the best gothic literature that has been adapted time and time again into comics, films, TV series and even books. These stories remained relevant but dipped in popularity briefly, which were then revived again around the 1930s when they were adapted into classic horror films. Think Boris Karloff and Bela Lugosi. These stories have been adapted over again, creating worlds of their own. For example, the vampire craze of the 1990s and early 2000s. We all remember Twilight. Some of us are trying to forget. Gothic literature has remained popular and the stories have become classics in the process. While the classics remain, Gothic literature gave birth to many contemporary genres. Thrillers, modern horror, southern gothic and crime all have elements of its mother, Gothic literature. The most closely related genre would be horror, which has its own subgenres, some being psychological horror, post-apocalyptic horror, paranormal, slasher, and supernatural, and on and on it goes. Gothic literature was named so after its use of Gothic buildings, but modern horror is veered away from the restrictions of Gothic architecture. If the writer is able to create an atmosphere and setting of mystery and dread, then it can be classified as horror, much like the house in Shirley Jackson's 1959 Haunting of Hill House. When thinking of contemporary horror fiction, the name that often comes to mind is Stephen King, who has written 62 novels, not including short stories and collections, that have terrified generations. Taking a close look at King's most popular novel, It, many of the themes of this terrifying tale fall under the same as Gothic literature. The fight of good versus evil, a supernatural opposition, a bleak setting that the protagonist can't escape, as well as philosophical questions that relate to innocence. The difference between classic Gothic fiction and its child modern horror is the time in which they were written. Modern horror has none of the societal restraints of the 19th century and can therefore alter its setting, the level of intensity to its terror, and allow us a more in-depth view of the characters. Which relates to a quote by Stephen King himself. Monsters are real, and ghosts are real too. They live inside us, and sometimes they win. The same elements can be found in some of his other works, such as The Shining, The Stand, Pet Cemetery, and Salem's Lot, a common collection of themes that classify a story as horror. So why did gothic literature become so popular? How did it stay relevant and transform its broader genres, including modern horror? Psychologically, the main emotion these genres elicit is fear, which leads to physiological symptoms such as increased heart rate, queasiness, stomach upsets, sweating, and if it's really scary, screaming. Do we enjoy being scared? John Moriel argues that there is enjoyment in negative emotions, which are often brought on by reading or viewing horror. This fear is linked to an adrenaline rush, which is usually associated with danger. No one is actually in danger of reading or watching a horror film, but our physiological response to the fear evoked by the genre tricks our body into thinking we are in danger. So it can be argued that horror is enjoyable because it is a safe way to feel fear. We receive the adrenaline rush without any of the usual effects of it. It is also a safe space in which people can further explore and even understand their fears. The main one being the universal fear of death, but that might be a little bit too heavy to delve into right now. Another theory of the enjoyment of horror is that it takes its reader outside of the mundane world. Vampires, creatures, ghosts and ghouls all live safely on the page and in our imaginations. 
This adds to the excitement that horror and gothic literature can create. Taking it back to the 19th century, when looking at the quality of life, death was around every door. The mortality rate was high and life expectancy was low. Death was no stranger to the Victorians, which can attest to their fascination with penny dreadfuls and the rise of gothic literature. When looking at the genre for entertainment value, not much was available at the time to ensnare the people's attention. Literature and cheap penny dreadfuls were perfect for the job. With all that said and done, I'd like to finish off with a quote from Shirley Jackson's Haunting of Hill House. No live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality.